Hey there, we're real glad you found our podcasts from Life Church in Benalla, Australia. We pray this message is a real blessing to you. Anyway, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, and welcome over here. And uh, uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be. Uh, in the house of the Lord, and uh, whatever I bring in today uh, will bless you. Amen. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus, thanking you, Father, for this day, for the beautiful day that you have given to us. And Father, that you have brought us over here in the house of Lord and Father that you are going to help us today as we hear, learn and you will be guiding us through your Holy Spirit so that Father not only we hear but we work on the word. Once again thanking you and for everyone over here in Jesus name I pray and ask. Amen. I'm, I'm not a preacher, but I've learned one thing, that if you preach Christ, you are right. You don't go wrong with that, so I'm going to preach Christ today. Um, I like looking at uh, very old uh, theologians and uh, uh, preachers, and today I'll start off with... Uh, uh, Thomas Goodwin and uh, he wrote a book called The Heart of Christ very famous book it's a good book and he was born in the 1600 from 1600 to 1680 he died in 1680 and at the age of 20 for 7 years he searched. He was a Christian, all right, but he searched inside him. He searched inside him if he was holy enough. He wrote, I was diverted from Christ for several years to search only for sign of grace in me. And then one day, a pastor told him, look. Look out, look out at Christ. Not inside you, look out at Christ. And when he did that, when he did that, he became free. He was free. There are so many Christians like that looking inside them to find this holiness or grace within them. He writes that they are too much carried away in the rudiments of Christ and not Christ himself. No, we look at ourselves inside, but we don't look at Christ in us. And so Goodwin uh, made his life's mission 
to write this book, The Heart of Christ, to explain to people that it's not you, it's Christ. Look unto Christ. Look unto Christ. Now he also said in the book that you put your hand onto Christ's heart and see how his heart beats for you. How he feels for you. How his guts yearn for you, towards you. He's more strongly with compassion and love and tenderness. I will try to go into the uh, uh, scripture and we'll see in, from the scripture how it relates, how, how Christ is, how his heart is today for us. We'll go to John 13. Uh, John 13, you can come with me. You, you might know this story. The, uh, just before uh, his death, he was uh, given away. Um, he washed the feet of the disciples. We'll read. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now the context over here is he knew everything. What? He knew everything. What did he know? He knew that these people are going to betray him. They are going to deny him. Peter denied him three times. Judas Iscariot betrayed him. He knew all this. But yet, look what he does. He washes their feet. He washes their feet. That's the heart of Jesus. He does not look at what they are going to do to him. He does not look at the denials they are going to make. But it's Jesus, from Jesus' side, his heart says, I will wash them. 
because I love them. Because he loves us, he will do that. He will wash us, whatever we do. So knowing that he did, they are going to do all this, he washed their feet. And then after that, he also, if you go further on, he also prays for them before he, he, uh, he is betrayed. He prays for them. Knowing that he is going to be betrayed, he prays Now the interesting part is that if you look, uh, go on to the next uh, chapter, he comforts them. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house, that's chapter 14 uh, verse 1, it says, in my father's house, are many rooms. If it were not, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I, I come back. I will come back. And take you to be with me. See, does not, knowing all this, he still says that I will come and take you. I will take you with me. See, Jesus is not going to rest until he takes us with him. He wants us. He loves us so much. He's not going to sit over there. He's going to plead to the Father. He's going to, he's going to rest only when we are with him. That's what it says over there. I'm going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Amen? It's so cool, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus will. Jesus wants us to be with him. And if you go to chapter 20, that's more interesting there. Now, we know that these people have betrayed him. They have denied him. But in chapter 20, you'll see in verse 17, it says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet re returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers. The people who have betrayed him, what is he saying? What is he calling them? My brothers. Go instead to my brothers. They are the brothers, the, he's talking about the disciples. He's talking about them. He's, he, he's saying, my brothers. Whatever you do, 
if you look onto Jesus only, we become his brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, as the scripture says. We are son of God. We become sons and daughters of God. And so we become brother of Christ, isn't it? That's what he says over here. Go and tell my brothers. Instead, go to my brothers. He calls us, he calls the disciples his brothers. That's the heart of Christ. He does not worry about what they did. They almost sinned against him, isn't it? Denied him. Because he knew. So before going onto the cross, he washes them. That's his heart. After, he says, My brothers, tell my brothers, go to my brothers. And then it says, if you go down, peace be with you. My brothers, peace be with you. He gives us his peace. These people have betrayed him, denied him. But he says, my brothers, peace be with you. That's the heart of Christ. We look at another uh, uh, scripture, and that's uh, Revelation 5. Now he is ascended, he's sitting on the right hand side of the Father, and we look at Revelation chapter 5. Read from verse 1 to verse 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and scaled with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept. That's weeping, isn't it? If no one is able to open the seal, if you go to chapter 7 in Revelation, This is what it's written in the seal. This is what the seal will bring out if it is open. From 15, verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Talking about us. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. 
he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is what, if the seal is open, this is what we will get. If the seal is not open, then you'll have to forget about this. And if you go back to chapter 5 again, Now John is weeping. Why? Because if the seal is not open, it's not going to happen. Not going to get the end product. So he is weeping. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has tried. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The line of Judah. What is he there in heaven? The line of Judah. Strong. He is the only one who can open the sea. That's good news, isn't it? Good news. He there is someone who can open the seal. And that's the line of Judah. But look at the heart of Jesus. Look at the heart of Jesus. Line means powerful, roaring. You know, it shows his power, the strength. But look at the heart of Jesus. Then I saw a lamb. Then I saw a lamb. What does lamb represent? Looking as if it had been slain. John does not see the lion. John sees the lamb. The lamb represents the tenderness, the love, a friend. You know, that's what it shows over here. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne and settled by the four living creatures. He had seven horns and seven eyes. That means powerful as he is, all seeing, he can see. That's why it says seven eyes. He's there. When we say, when uh, Goodwin says, look at him. Look at Jesus' heart, not your heart. Our heart is corrupt. We will go out over here and can sin anytime. Our heart is like that. But look at Jesus. Look at Jesus' heart. So tender. Even in heaven, he is seen as a lamb. A lamb. So tender. Right? So loving. 
But look at, uh, uh, there is another great preacher, uh, uh, theologian and writer. Uh, he wrote uh, Pilgrim's uh, Progress, John Bunyan. Um, he was also uh, born in the 1600s and uh, how he looks at Jesus now. Okay. So, from his point of view, let's go to Acts 27. In Acts chapter 7, you'll find the story of uh, Stephen. Stephen is... Uh, um, trying to talk to these uh, Jews and telling them about the Old Testament, the law, and uh, no end. And see what uh, the Jews do to him. It's almost at the end of the stoning. That's, uh, uh, if you go to verse 54 in chapter 7, you find when they had this, let me see, he tries to tell everything about uh, the Old Testament and uh, relates to the New Testament, and then he calls them you stiff necked uh, people. Right? Uh, see, in verse 51 it says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Okay. Oh, um, uh, Paul talks about uh, the second season in uh, uh, Galatians. You find in Galatians 6, uh, uh, the last time I talked about uh, legalism. See, you, you, you become more legalistic if you uh, use this process of second season. Because it goes under the law. And law means legal. You know? So it's more legalism. He talks about legalism in, uh, and then he talks about it's not important. You know? It won't give you the salvation. Salvation comes from the circumcision of the heart, right? not physical circumcision. So it says, uncircumcised hearts and ears, you must, you are like your fathers. So they become angry. You know, they become angry. And what do they want to do? They want to stone. And they take him outside the gates and they stone him. But before that, Stephen looks up and what does he see? He sees the heavens open and Christ standing. Christ is standing in what you do. Now the Bible says, if you uh, go back and read even in Hebrews, it tells us that after he finished the work on earth, 
he went back and he's doing what? Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Sitting there. But what, he, what does Stephen see? He sees him standing. Standing and looking at him. Why? Why is he standing over there? Because when we are in trouble, when we are going under persecution, his heart starts beating faster. He gets that compassion for us. He is that compassion for us. He stands up. You know, standing ovation you have when the big man comes in somewhere, you know, everyone stands up and then welcomes that person. Christ is standing there for one soul, for one faithful soul, Christ stands up, gives a standing ovation to Stephen. When we accept Christ, we know that there is joy in heaven. The angels start singing. Yeah? And that's what Christ over here is standing and waiting for his soul to come. Welcome. Stands up and welcomes. So the one sitting on the throne, the judge, is the Lord, you know? Died for us. Now he he he's sitting there, but he stands up because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. Now, some people, if you talk to. Uh, People around you'll find that uh, they'll say, "What is God doing? What is God doing?" There's so much of trouble around, and what is He doing? You know, is He not uh, aware of this? Sometimes we think also. We think that um, does Jesus really feel? We are feeling going through. Does he feel the loss of a family member? But he does. See, Lazarus, when he died, in the tomb he went and cried. He cried. When he, we cry, he cries also. That's the heart of Jesus. Rejected. Does he feel anything when we are rejected by men? Yes, he does. He went through it. Just before going on to the cross, he was rejected by it. Even the disciples rejected him. He went through all those. People spat on him, whipped him. He went through all this, rejected by him. He feels the cross. 
Does he feel abandoned by God? Yes, he does. On the cross. He was on the cross when he was abandoned by God. What about when you are, when people are suicidal? You are, you are in the, in your dark thoughts and you want to commit suicide. Does he feel about that? Do you know Jesus also went through that? Jesus also went through this suicidal act. When he was tested, remember, uh, after 40 days of fasting, He was hungry, and the first one he said, uh, Satan tempted him to turn this stone into bread. And then he was taken onto this pinnacle and asked him to jump from there. That's suicidal because he was, he was hungry, he was hungry. You know? he, was, he was tempted to jump from there. But he, but he went through all this for us. And when you say, oh, where is Jesus? Jesus is there to help us. Goodwin says, look to him. Not yourself. Not asking questions and all this. Look to him. He has gone through all this. He knows our, our sorrows. He knows what we go through, our shortcomings. Let's go to Hebrews 4.14 and see what the writer says about uh, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet without sin. Yet without sin he's tempted. He knows about us. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look unto Jesus. Everything will be over. Look unto Jesus because Hebrews says that he's the one who can sympathize with us. He is the one who knows about us, our shortcomings. He's going to come and help us. He's going to send his angels to help us. Now, Jesus not only has compassion in our sorrows, but compassion in our sin. When we sin. Do you sin? Maybe. Maybe every day. But he is compassionate. You know, John Bunyan says that mercy is the only antidote against sin. Mercy. Your sin becomes more of a pity rather than anger. But he is angry on the sin, of course. He hates sin. But not us. He feels pity on us. You know when, uh, when uh, it's like a father when your, your son or your daughter becomes sick. What do you do? You kick them out? You let them die in bed? What do you do? You care for them, isn't it? You, you want to take away that disease or sickness. You, know, you don't just uh, leave them there or push them out. That's what Jesus' heart is. He will not push you away. He will not hate you for that. He will have compassion. He has compassion for He has compassion for us. He knows that you are doing wrong. And he will try. You know, he will try to take that sin away from you. What do you have to do? You have to look onto Jesus. He says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? What shall separate us from Christ's love? Not even your sin. Not even your sin. Normally what happens is that when we sin, we feel bad about us. That's why I said some people start looking at their heart. We, we feel bad about it and we, we start running away from God. We start running away from Jesus. But what does he do? He runs towards us. He comes in and he wants us to turn to him. Yeah? To help us. 
So it's like a sickness. It's, it's, God doesn't hate us for that, but He hates the sin. If you turn to Jesus, He will take that sin away from you. He will make you walk in the right direction. The act of faith which justifies a sinner is distinct from knowing that he had eternal life. It's very distinct. Okay? And may therefore be without it. Some people, some people use God, you know. Use God to go to heaven. They think they will go to heaven and they use God for it because God promises that if you are in me, you'll be with me in heaven. So it says the act of faith, act of faith which just justifies a sinner is distinct. It's not going to heaven. It's having faith in Christ. That's more important. Looking onto Jesus is more important than thinking that you will be going to heaven. That's very important for us. You know? But as long as we are over here, everyone is going to die one day. I'm going to die. I don't know when, but I'm going to die. You are going to die one day. You are going to go somewhere. But the faith in Christ is very distinct. You, you know, that's completely different from going to heaven. You know, if you have total faith in Christ, He's there with you now. You know, He's there with you now. Not, not only when you go to heaven, He's there with you now. I said, I'm going to leave you with a helper. His Spirit is with us. If you have full trust in Christ, He's there with you. It's uh, another person called Jonathan Edwards. He's a historical uh, figure in Christian history. Um, he said, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel should affect our hearts. The truth of the gospel should affect our hearts. Not going to heaven. You know? It, our heart should be with Christ. We look unto Christ. My friends, in all our sorrows, in all our shortcomings, the very one who died for us is at hand. 
the very one who died for us, is sitting there in the very place, waiting for us to look onto him. Thank you. Thomas Goodwin, he said it in the last uh, words where before he died. I will stop there. Um, his assurance on his deathbed, he said, I'm going to the three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, with whom I had communion. They have taken me. I shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. All my lust and corruption I shall be rid of, which I could not be here. See, see, that's what happens to us. That's why we have to look onto Christ. We can't get rid of it. So every day we can, you know, we can make mistakes. We can sin against sin. He says, my lust and corruption I shall be rid of, which I could, be, could not be here. Is Christ divided? Over there and here? No, he says, I have the whole of his righteousness. I have the whole. Praise the Lord. That's good, isn't it? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, once again I commit my life and our lives into your loving hand. Knowing that you have given all authority to your Son Jesus Christ. And in the scriptures says, look unto Jesus. Father God, let his righteousness come to us. Make us righteous, Father. We commit our lives into your loving hand. For all your glory, your mercy, your love and compassion. We pray and ask in the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope this podcast has been a real blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about Life Church Vanilla, search the web for Life Church Vanilla or search Facebook for Life Church Vanilla. Have a fantastic week.